Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Transformation Radio. And to start off today, we have a testimony from Phase 4 member Daniel Ogden from last weekend's Encounter Weekend in Lancaster. Enjoy. I came, like most of you all, to the refuge because my family had enough with me. Fiance was done with me and I had nowhere else to go. I wasn't called or whatever. I was was forced here by my family. I mean, I was... Three days into induction, bags packed, right up by the office, ready to go. Um, and it took the brothers beside me. I think you got it together, but you really don't. And there's where you start to grow. When I finally realized that was when I started my healing process. Through this whole thing, first phase, second phase, it was a lot of struggles, a lot of ups and downs. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's, it's awesome. It sucks. It sucks dealing with yourself. It does. It sucks, you know. Finally, you start to realize what manhood's all about. It's a lot of responsibility. It's not about you anymore. It's about your rest of your life. And I had to start realizing that, that I didn't have all the answers. I didn't have, um, even with my background, I didn't have all the biblical answers. I didn't have everything that I thought I was. I wasn't a know-it-all. I wasn't everything that I thought I was. And going through this process, I learned, through it, I learned a, lot, a lot about myself. And how I was with friends, how selfish I was. But I needed this whole process, this whole process to figure out what was my stressors to this whole thing that pushed me to that. It wasn't the drugs. It was what I was dealing with inside that was burying inside that caused me to do that. And going through second phase, I, I, I learned while I was at work and coming back, I utilized that week, that week to really get in my word. And get my foundation. That's a key that you've got to realize is you got to get that foundation. Because once you come to third, you're relying on everything you got from second. You're relying on that foundation because that's what's going to get you through. You see a lot of guys fall off because they didn't get what they got, what they should have got in second phase. It's that foundation that's going to hold you through it. And through that whole process of when I went to third phase and started working every day, I started remembering what I was doing in second phase. I was getting in my word every morning. The morning radio is key. I'm telling you, you need, you need to get some word in you every morning. And it really helped me because it, it always sets the mood for the rest of your day. It always puts you in a better attitude because if you really think about it, if you really think about it, you're, you're, working, you're working for your way. You really are. But the only way you're going to start thinking of that is if you're in your word every morning because then you start looking at God and not looking at selfish reasons. And through this whole process, I tell you, I have got family restoration, hundredfold. Family, they're handing me. My, my mom and dad handed me their car. Um, said I could use it. Um, I've got an awesome job now, probably the best paying job, and I've got accountability. And I'm, I'm still here. Um, I can't get away. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament. Our narrative today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 50. Here's a brief overview of what we'll be reading about today. Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of a mountain to show them who he really was, not merely a great prophet, but God's own son. Moses, representing the law, and Elijah, representing the prophets, appeared with Jesus. Then God's voice singled out Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah who possessed divine authority. Jesus would fulfill both the law and the prophets. Now, when Peter suggested making three shelters, 
he may have been thinking of the Festival of Shelters, uh, where shelters were set up to commemorate the Exodus, God's deliverance of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. Peter wanted to keep Moses and Elijah with them, but this was not what God wanted. Peter's desire to build memorials for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah may also show his understanding that real faith is built on three cornerstones, the law, the prophets, and Jesus. But Peter grew in his understanding, and eventually he would write of Jesus as the cornerstone of the church. As God's son, Jesus had God's power and authority. Thus, his words should be our final authority. If a person's teaching is true, it will agree with Jesus' teachings. Don't be hasty to seek advice and guidance from merely human sources and thereby neglect Christ's message. Test everything you hear against Jesus' words and you will not be led astray. If we believe He is God's Son, then we surely will want to do what He says. We want to follow Him. Well, Peter, James, and John experienced a wonderful moment on that mountain, and they probably didn't want to leave. Sometimes we too have such an inspiring experience that we want to stay where we are, away from the reality and problems of our daily life. Knowing the struggles await us in the valley encourages us to linger on the mountaintop. Yet, staying on the top of a mountain prohibits our ministering to others. Instead of becoming spiritual giants, well, we would soon become dwarfed by our own self-centeredness. We need times of retreat and renewal, but only so we can return to minister to the world. Our faith must make sense off the mountain as well as on it. Now, the disciples didn't understand Jesus' words about his death. See, they still thought of Jesus as only an earthly king, and they were concerned about their places in the kingdom he would set up. So they ignored Jesus' words about his death and began arguing about who was going to be the greatest. Now, with that, let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. April 1st. The New Testament, Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 50. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see, and they were speaking about his exodus from this world which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them, and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. The next day, after they had come down the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher! I beg you to look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly ever leaves him alone. 
I begged your disciples to cast out the Spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, Bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. Awe gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them, so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, Don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. Psalm 73, verses 1 through 28. Here is a commentary of what we're going to be reading about momentarily. Two strong themes wind their way through these verses. Number one, the wicked prosper, leaving godly people wondering why they bother to be good. And number two, the wealth of the wicked looks so inviting that faithful people may wish they could trade places. But these two themes come to unexpected ends, for the wealth of the wicked suddenly loses its power at death, and the rewards for the godly suddenly take on eternal value. What seemed like wealth is now waste, and what seemed worthless now lasts forever. Don't wish you could trade places with evil people to get their wealth. One day they will wish they could trade places with you and have your eternal wealth. Well, Asaph realized that the rich who put their hope, joy, and confidence in their wealth live in a dream world. You know, a dream exists only in the mind of the dreamer. Don't let your life's goals be so unreal that you awaken too late and miss the reality of God's truth. Happiness and hope can be a reality, but only when they're based on God, not on riches. Because reality is in God, we should get as close to Him as we can in order to be realistic about our life. Psalm 73, verses 1 through 28, a psalm of Asaph. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing, my feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. 
They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people, enjoying a life of ease, while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail, and my spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert Him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. The godly care for their animals, but the wicked are always cruel.
Here's today's In Touch Devotion. Today's scripture reading begins in verse 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 1. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet, for this reason, I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul described himself as the worst of sinners, and yet someone to whom the Lord had expressed his favor and love. Because of divine grace, the apostle became spiritually alive and a member of God's family. He had a new purpose for living, one that would glorify his heavenly Father and help bring people into the Lord's family. From that day forward, Paul's attitudes and behavior were dramatically different. Through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, Paul's character was increasingly marked by gratitude and compassion. His writings consistently expressed appreciation for God's blessings and urged others to be grateful as well. His words also reveal humility. A highly educated and influential man, he now counted all his credentials as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. After Paul met the Savior, his actions also changed dramatically. He cared deeply about those who were still separated from God, and he fervently desired to help Christians grow in their faith. For the rest of his life, he served the Lord by sharing the gospel, encouraging fellow believers, and meeting the needs of others. He accepted that suffering, for the cause of Christ was part of this new life. As we read about the Apostle's life, we see grace on display. He was used as God's ambassador to the Gentiles. Through him, biblical truths were recorded for future generations. The Holy Spirit seeks to transform our lives just as he did Paul's. Are you allowing grace to work within you?
thought would never end Trying to make it on faith in a struggle against the wind I've seen the dark in the broken places But I know in my soul no matter how bad it gets I'll be alright There's hope in front of me There's a light I still see Storm you finally find Where the hurt and the tears and the pain don't fall behind Today's word is will. Uh, Cheryl Blatt's a training and development person in Dayton, Ohio, wants me to talk about it. Um, Will comes out of uh, a passionate desire to accomplish something. We hear the expression often, where there's a will, there's a way. That's true. Basically, the will makes the way. Now, I've known a lot of people that they've turned that expression around and they basically say, well, where there's a way, you can have a will. 
In other words, if somebody shows me the path, then I'll kind of determine to, to take that path. If somebody kind of moves all the obstacles out of my way, then guess what? I think I'll start journeying in that direction. The way doesn't make the will because ways have detours. Ways have get sabotaged. It, they, they do. They always have. They always will. You see, the will makes the way, and here's why. When you determine to accomplish something, and you get in a dead-end street, guess what you do? You take a U-turn, go out, and find another way to it. There are many ways to accomplish something, but it takes a will to get there. And if you have no will, there is no way to accomplish anything. Lord, I come I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you, oh.
satisfied till I find the center of your heart. Lord, you know, you open my eyes, you show me things that I can't see on my own. You call me justified, free to find everything you. Past in my future, I lay it at your feet. Well, I'm after your heart, you stolen mine. I give you my all, cause you gave up your life. I'm not who I was simply because. Oh, you sent me. Thanks for listening to Wednesday's edition of Transformation Radio. For more information on the Refuge Ministries, please visit our website at menslivesChange.org.